every race he gets black flagged and he doesn't know why Jimmy has just yelled at him. Sometimes he's not allowed back into the race car. There's no fun, no play, and no love in their racing lives. You wouldn't let your friends drive like this. So why do you speed under the code 35? Welcome to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Belansky. Uh, the voice of destruction is here with us, and uh, that's not Dana Morrison. <laughs> uh, I got special effects, man. Oh, uh, as I as I told the big boss a couple of minutes ago, I thought that was wonderfully hokey and cheesy and awesome. So um, if if y'all hated it, blame it on me. <laughs> We're here with uh, with our, our our fearless leader, rookie rookie race car driver, Dana Morrison. <laughs> uh, oh, raise your hand if you had a faster lap than Bill at Sebring. Oh, oh. yeah, look, there it is. Well, that that wouldn't take much, Dana. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, <laughs> there wasn't much left of the car after he was done, though. So and I can't point? talk either. I can't talk you, either. Your point? <laughs> well, you came back with all four wheels. I came back with three of them. So. <laughs> Dana, uh, we just we just good afternoon, guys. We just spent some uh, a lovely weekend at uh, Watkins Glen International. A hundred and ten cars started that race. I think what a hundred and well, only one won it. Two won it. We had two races, two, two cars, races, two wins, two yeah, yeah, two victors. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, we're going to talk about some cool stuff like uh, penalties and black flags, but. What we saw this weekend was Code 35. Um, it's something that Champ Car has started. Talk to us about how you st- how you started up the uh, Code 35 stuff. Sure. It's probably a good time to really talk about this because we're hitting a point now where every track we go to, we've used it. <clears throat> um, we rolled it out last year with the idea of full impl- implementation, but we didn't catch every track early in the year. Now we've, we've got it everywhere we're going. The article just came out recently in the magazine about it. Um, other series are starting to pick it up. So um, it, it's out there. If, if you haven't been exposed to it yet, then you probably haven't been to one of our, our races in a while. Um, it is, it is, I would say, a culture change. It's, it's going to be one of those moments that people look back on in the past and go, wow, that, that was one of those before and after things um, because it, it is becoming so widely accepted. Um, for those of you that know what it is, we started using it at VIR because they were using it. They were doing it manually with flags. So we went there and it's how they managed their cautions and managed their, their safety vehicle deployment. So we just kind of took it from them and rolled with it. Um, if you've not used it yet, you've not driven under it, the best explanation I can give for those of you who watch other motorsports is it's a virtual safety car in F1. Right. So if you're familiar with the VSC in F1, it's funny because when I do the driver's meetings, I'll ask people, who are my F1 fans? The hands go up and I tell them it's a virtual safety car and all of them immediately go, oh, and the ones who don't watch F1 go, huh? But at least I've immediately gotten through to a couple of them. Right. In a nutshell, yes, Bill, sh- shift your bulk so they can see the flag. <laughs> there you go. That's what the, the brand new flag in motorsports looks like. What it allows me to do, and I think we've talked about this before, so I won't go 
too far down into it, but it allows me to get the whole field down under 35 miles an hour and deploy my rescue, safety cars, tow trucks, whatever, handle my incident and get off the track quickly. Um, in the past, we would have a local incident, right? You have a local incident, cars off the side of the road, waving yellow. The safety trucks leave pit lane and as they travel around the racetrack, they're covered with yellows and whites. So as you're driving around the racetrack at speed, you're in a different zone each time and seeing yellows and white flags waving, and then you see them at the incident. And then a couple laps later, they're on the move. So now they're covering them with safety flags and white flags again, and, and it worked. It, it worked and it, it, did, it did its job, but it wasn't perfect, but it was the best we had. Because if you think about it, the only way we had as race directors, race control people to communicate with you back in the 50s was through flags. Before radios and cell phones and everything else, flags, that was it. You know, so we're using it because, you know, flags, we're using them because we always have. But now we have better mechanisms, right? We have this electronic technology, we have cameras, we have all kinds of neat stuff, but we still were trying to communicate with you, the driver. And what this flag allows us to do, ultimately, in my opinion, is do two things. It makes it safer for the racers and the rescue people, and it gets you back to racing under green flag quickly. And ultimately, that's what you paid to come and do, right? Nobody paid to come tool around behind the pace car. So if the incident was bad, we would have to put out the full course yellow. And some tracks required us to do that, regardless of what the incident was. Some tracks absolutely would not put a safety vehicle out on track without being under full course yellow. So there's a broken down vehicle. We got to go get the vehicle. Well, now I got to look for the pace car. Or I'm sorry, look for the, uh, the leader, right? Talk the pace car out. So that's half a lap, right? Go full course yellow, wait for the leader to come around, wait for the leader to come down front stretch. Sometimes longer because yeah, the I'm getting guys there. in the pit lane. I'm getting there. So I'm the getting there. Center. Okay. Right. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm jumping the gun again. Yeah, there you go. There's a joke there, and I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as Bill just jumped ahead, the leader's coming around the final turn, and I'm talking the pace car out, and the leader dives on pit lane. So now I'm looking for the next leader who's already on pit lane or is half a lap behind them or worse, just went by. So now I'm holding the entire race under full course yellow for another lap, right? Or I end up sending the pace car out in the middle of the field and that just screws up everybody's race. So you've lost two laps at best under caution where you could be racing. Then after the incident is over, invariably just after the pace car passes the pit entry, the rescue people go, okay, we're all clear. You go back to green. Yeah. So now the pace car has to go all the way around the racetrack. Well, I was talking to the guy at Ozarks today. And it's like a four mile racetrack, right? How long does it take you to go around a four mile racetrack at 40 miles an hour? Right. I'm, I'm sure somebody could do the math, but it's long. Yeah. And again, it's not what you paid to come and do. <clears throat> and additionally, and this is the thing that really gets the attention of the rescue people. You would think, right, logic would tell you that having the whole field behind the pace car is the safest thing. Everybody's gathered up. Everybody's going pace car speed. But that doesn't account for the uncontrolled cars leaving pit out. The field's all the way on the backside of the racetrack. Somebody makes a pit stop. They come out of that pit out, and they're doing, quite honestly, exactly what we told them to do. They're hot-footing it around, right, because... A double yellow flag is still a standing yellow flag. A standing yellow flag is 70% race speed. 
So they're hot footing it around at 70% of their race speed to catch up to the back of the field, which is exactly what I tell them to do. And then they're hot footing it through the incident area. Usually they're not doing anything dangerous or unsafe, but they're still going through the incident area at 60, 65, 70 miles an hour. And the rescue workers, they, they see that and they see an uncontrolled car and they get a little nervous and rightly so. The beauty of the code, the code 35 is it controls everybody, everybody on the racetrack. And I was, again, I was kidding with uh, JR at Ozarks today that we're, we're faced with the, the additional issue, kind of one of those unintended consequences of we're probably going to have to change the meaning of the white flag, oh, right? Yeah. A white flag used to tell race cars that there was a slow moving safety car on the racetrack. Now the white flags are telling the race cars that there's a fast coming safety truck coming up behind them because the safety <laughs> trucks are doing 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. At Watkins Glen, I was watching the safety trucks come around the last two corners, towing a car to get them off the track. And they were passing the cars that were going 35 with a car on the hook. And while that's hysterical, it gets you guys back to racing quickly. I'm able to get you guys back under a green flag, which is what you paid to come and do. And ultimately for me, that's a, that's a customer service thing. It gets you guys back to doing what you paid to come and do. So, um, but, but yeah, but we've loved it. it uh, it's it's got to be easy for me to cheat, you know? Maybe I want to go 37 or maybe I want to go 41 and maybe just catch up a little bit of time. and Give and, it a shot. Where's my black flag? <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for the lead in, Brian. Um, so I, I would never want an unfair advantage. Kiddingly, back at VIR, again, they were doing it manually. The joke, and it, it, was, it was a widely spoken joke, was that the code 35 was the code 70. Because that's exactly what would happen. People would just, people would basically drive as fast as they could until they ran up behind the car that was going 35 miles an hour. And they at least gained, you know, a half a lap, right? Um the interesting thing about the way we're able to employ the code 35, and it's one of those, those beauties of, of two intersecting options and two intersecting pieces of technology. The code 35 concept coming out of VIR and our relationship with Flagtronics, right? Because if it weren't for Flagtronics, we'd just be waving bed sheets at drivers like we mm. always have. But the Flagtronics guys really stepped up and said, okay, we'll help you develop this mechanism to communicate directly with the drivers in the car and it has two-way communication capabilities. So I see, or my timing guys see, we call them the marching ants, right? To get the view of the racetrack and all the little cars going around, all the little dots and all their little speeds displayed for your dots. And not every club does it the same as us, um, but we do it this way because we have the technological capabilities to do so. We are able to monitor your speed live, live on the track. So we can see if you're going 35. I can see if you're going 36 or 37. I can see if you're doing 52, which we see. Because we have that capability, I can monitor your speed much more carefully. And it's why I keep preaching to the drivers at the driver's meetings that 35 means 35 means 35. It doesn't mean coast down 60 and then give it back on the other side of the hill, climbing up the other side of you know a track with elevation. I need you guys to all stay at 35 miles an hour because it keeps everybody spread out. It keeps the track position the same. And that's where Bill was kidding earlier about the black flag. Um, we routinely see people, I shouldn't say routinely, it's really kind of dwindled down a little bit because people have figured out the live thing. But if you're going and we set a speed at every track and 
cars exceeding that speed get brought in. And then as the day progresses and we start seeing more and more compliance, we start dialing that speed down until we get everybody down to 35 miles an hour. Um, it, it really works out well. And again, the beauty of the, the Flightronics system, and again, I, I, I got to say good things about Flightronics here because their development of their technology has helped us bring this into effect with the efficiency that we have. Because whether you've got a speedometer in your car or not, your unit flashes at you when you exceed 35 miles an hour. It flashes 35 and, and switches between flashing 35 and SLO for slow. So it's literally telling you, slow down, you're flashing, you're going over 35. And if it's flashing at you, it's flashing at me upstairs. So we both have the same piece of information at the same time. So, so I've got this book called by a guy named Donahue. It's called The Unfair Advantage. So I got to find a different way to get my unfair advantage. Hey, there's a lot of pages in that book. I'm there sure is. they cover other virus. <laughs> they absolutely do. Um, <laughs> um, um, so do you have a way? I mean, so there's a lot of cars. At some tracks, you've got 100 cars. Mm -hmm. And it, there's no way for you to keep track of every one of them that exceeds the 35, right? Well, oddly enough, I have this drone, and he works in the media department, and his job <laughs> is to log all these all race long. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 system actually logs. That's what the I was getting. At. System, yeah, yeah, the Flagtronic system actually logs all the speeding, um, and like Dana said, there's thresholds that we look at. There's a lot of math involved. I think we kind of spin the timing guy around a couple of times, but. It is a pretty good science, and it's it we shape the timing like a magic eight ball. And, like, and to be fair, because I get this question a lot, and and yes, those of you who are thinking through the process now, we give you sufficient time to get down to thirty five miles an hour. Um, I don't know how other organizations are doing it, but we actually do it with a two step process. So we're not going from full race speed to thirty five flag, and you're slamming on the brakes and dragging it down from a buck twenty. We do a two-step process. We put out a single standing yellow around the entire track, which for us is 70% race speed. So that lets you know, hey, something's going on, no passing, start slowing down. You drag yourself down to about 70% race speed. I give that anywhere between 5, 10, 12 seconds, enough time to where I can look across the track and see that everybody's got the memo. And then we put out the 35, and then you go down to 35 miles an hour. So that two-step process, and we're not black flagging anybody the instant we put the, the 35 out. The timing guys know to give everybody enough time to get slowed down, get stabilized at speed. Once everybody's stabilized at 35, that's when we start looking and we see the one car out there going 55, that driver's getting brought in. So yeah. I, I was going to, I asked Bill this, I think in the past when we've had this discussion without you here about the 35. Um, and as we've talked about it a lot, you know, and, and it's the source of consternation for some, and I think other people's love it. Um, but some of the cars don't have speedometers. Um, do you guys do a little bit at the start of the race where, you know, you run it uh, behind a pace car at 35 miles per hour so that the, so that the, the cars can say, okay, we're 35 miles an hour. I'm at 3,200 RPM in second gear. And this is where I need to be. No. And actually that's on purpose, not to stop us from letting you know about the code 35, but because I modulate the speed of the pace car to a very set speed based on getting back to the line at the specific start time right. so as the as the pace car goes around we're watching the, the designated start time if the start time is is nine o'clock and it's 8 58 and she's still got a full lap to go around i'll give her a designated speed to make sure we get the field back so 
those first two laps under the pace car are all about making the race start on time. But again, like I say, the uh, the Flagtronics unit will tell you what your speed is. Right. It will tell you when you're exceeding that 35. And a lot of people have learned to just kind of go down and, and bounce right at the at the uh, the flasher, which can be a little dangerous because you're still going over 35. Um, but the threat when we first started this thing, the threshold was set up north of 40. And we've had such good compliance that the thresholds now are right down close to 35 miles an hour. If it's flashing at you, you're definitely going over 35. But, you know, you're it's, it's not I'm not going to say don't do it. I'd rather have you sure. right at 35 miles an hour. But the thresholds are so close that it's, you know, what, you know, it, it, nothing's really changing. Plus, again, you're only going to go as far as running into the next car going 35 miles an hour. Which oddly enough brings me to one of the perceptions, because you know people's perception is always kind of interesting, and, and honestly, their perception is their reality, and I get that. But I hear people a lot saying, "Oh my God, that car out there—he's still—he's still flying, and he made up all that distance on that car in front of him." <clears throat> but watching the race from up in the tower and watching the speeds live, I see almost the opposite. The issue is not so much cars speeding excessively under the Code Thirty Five. It's cars slowing down excessively as we go into the caution of the 35. So I've been very clear about that at my driver's meeting. When you see the single standing yellow, I need you to slow down to 70% race speed and hang there. More than once, we've gone single standing yellow. I've been going through my 10 count and get to about seven or eight. And the car that we're going to get has fired up and driven off. And we just withdraw the yellows and go right back to green. So if you see the single standing yellow and you anticipate and drop down to 35, that's what creates the compression. It's not that the cars are speeding. It's that one car is slowing down too soon, too much. And the field is stacking up behind them right? because they're still going 70% race speed, but they're under yellow. So they're not allowed to pass. So it's important that everybody follow the steps. Same thing going back to green. We'll lift the 35, but keep the yellow out. I need everybody to start picking the speed up so I know you've seen it. You've seen the flags coming in and you're ready for the start. So when I go to green, I don't have a train wreck and a pile up. Sure. And invariably, we'll pull that 35 and I'll look on the racetrack and there's one guy still going 37 miles an hour. And the whole field is coming up behind him. And I'm like, come on, come on, see the, the unit. It's, it's literally a, a light on your dashboard right there telling you what to do. So it's important that they track these things and they know what to do and they follow the commands as appropriate, but not to anticipate them. I would think the bigger problem is not cars going too fast, but cars going too slow, not staying up at that 35 mile per hour threshold and maybe, you know, running around at 30 because they don't want to get the black flag. And then that does hurt the cars behind him, but it's really nothing you can do because you can't pass under yellow. We have black flag for that too. More often we'll wind up doing that when there's a full course yellow out and we need somebody to catch up to the pace car. We get the proverbial second pace car out there. Um, but again, one of the beauties of the Flagtronic system is we can send black flags while we're under caution. And for those of you that have never worked up in race control, you might actually be surprised to know that most tracks will not issue black flags while they're working a caution it's just too much to ask the corner workers to sure. do the corner workers are managing the caution they're holding the flags and trying to get the number panel and the black flag out it is more than the corner workers can manage the flagtronic system has completely changed that paradigm we can send black flags out while the field is under caution because we can communicate individually with those cars so we have brought cars in for going too slow both under the full course and under the 35. sure so what's the downside in my mind there's not one um, it does require the technology of the Flytronic system, but we have it available for rent. 
Uh, if the, the tracks don't have the flags, we have our own flag kit. We bring it along with us. So for anybody else looking to do it, it uh, depends upon the level of investment you're willing to make in making it happen. But for us, we have all the equipment. We're able to run it completely self-sufficiently. I view this as just one of those paradigm things. And yeah, there are some people who still, they just don't like it. But at the same time, there was a time in racing when people did not like the head and neck restraint systems. When they first came out, there were people who were absolutely against them. I don't know anybody now who refuses to wear one. It's just a paradigm shift in motorsports. And eventually it'll become the standard and the norm, I think. I do know that the downside is that the safety workers have to be prepared and prepared quickly because they they now can respond a lot quicker. They do like it though, but they it did like catch it. a little bit. They did catch them off, uh, you know, off a little bit because they weren't anticipating going out so quickly. Now we've already got some questions on there. Um, John Whitnauer from Whitnauer Motorsports, so the little mini they rate. It's not little, but the mini. The mini um, mini insult the customers. Yeah, the BMW minis. Code thirty five worked better as you tightened up the thresholds for blinking and penalties. When things were more lax at the start of implementation, it was frustrating to to be losing ground on the guy in front, which we saw. Yes. And, yeah. and he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that at all. And and that was the decision on our part to kind of roll it out softly so people could kind of get the idea. But yeah, he's not wrong. Uh, when the threshold was set high, uh, especially it it it's an issue. The smaller the track. The, the more the threshold affects it. At VIR South, then the lap is so quick and short down there that one car going two or three miles an hour over can literally lap the field, you know? So, but yeah, as we've tightened it up and honestly, feedback for him and his team, as the drivers and the teams have gotten more used to it, they've made it a lot easier for us to implement it, roll it out and function with it. So, you know, credit to the teams for figuring out how to roll with it quickly and a big thank you to them. And um, Tim Elliott says, what about Ozarks, you know, for an example, the hills speed you up and, and slow us down so much on their own. And I'm thinking, well, you have your gas on the right and your pedal. On, well, he drives a he drives a Volkswagen Golf, doesn't he? Or Rabbit. Do they have three pedals? Ah, no. Um, the pedal in the middle. So, you know. <laughs> so that question has come up. It came up from a driver who got black flagged at a different track. and. Um, I'm going to say this as gently and politely, but this is kind of my my feeling on it. And Oh, be real, Dana. Bit. Nobody's listening. We have one, yeah. one guy watching. Comes, comes a little bit from my previous background, admittedly. But if you were rolling down the side of the mountain on the interstate going 90, and you told the trooper, but listen, going up the other side, I'm going to slow down to like 30. So in the end, it'll wash out and it'll be fine. Do you think the trooper would say, oh, that makes perfect sense? Or do you think the trooper would say, speed limit is the speed limit is the speed limit, and I need you to be at it? So, um, Sir, put your hands on the dash. You've been dying to use that thing all day. And is there anything you uh, can do about this, please, for the love of God? Um, but no, it, it, it comes to, again, it comes to the speed and the compression. And I go back to what I said at the beginning. I need people to stay at 35 miles an hour because it maintains the gaps and the separations and it's the overall speed. If you were coasting down the hill in the incident area where the rescue workers are, you would slow down. So I, I just need everybody to maintain 35 miles an hour. It, it makes the it makes the process work. So um, so, oh. and then, and then uh, Mark Kruger from Kruger Motorsports says, no matter what, there's always at least one car going 20. I don't think we've had that as much recently as we used to have it. Like you said, with the the two pace cars. But, but all... we have brought cars in for going too slow. Yeah, as much yeah, as we yeah. brought them in for going in too fast, we brought them in for going too slow because same thing, it affects the, the pacing and the spacing around the track. 
And the cool thing so, is, is that we can actually black flag. We don't have to involve the flaggers. Right. We can hit them with a black flag that says pit right. on their unit, on their FT-200. So do you have like a three-strike rule? Do I get to screw up twice before you bring me in, or is this a one-time-and-you're-out kind of thing? So when we bring them in for, for a speed on the Code 35, it does depend a little bit on the speed, but if they're over, you know, again, 35 up the, you know, in the 40s and whatnot, we'll bring them in, Jimmy, Contrary to what Bill said about Jimmy yelling at the beginning, <laughs> Jimmy will tell him, hey, you're exceeding the 35 miles an hour. Take a look at your dash, watch when it says slow, and get out of here. And send him right back on the track again. So the race cars just, are loud. You have to yeah, just if, in if and talk to and gone. Right. There, it's not like we hold them for minutes or anything at right. a time. You get somebody doing 70, then we're going to pull them off to the side and talk to them a little bit. But yeah. So there is a there is a pull in and a talk and a go. One of the things you got to remember about Champ Car is because of the length of the race, you've got different drivers in the car. So we've seen it where we pulled somebody in for code 35 and said, Hey, you know, you're going a little too fast, get back out there. And then three hours later, we get the same car again, but it's two completely different drivers, you know, and there might've been a driver in the middle and right. nobody told the new driver, Hey, by the way, that thing on the dash. So we got to be very, very careful doing, you know, the, Oh, this is your second, third time because it literally could be a completely different driver. Right. Yeah. And if if Jimmy's yelling at you, it's only because he's trying to yell over your car. <laughs> race, race cars are race cars are a little noisy. Um, the language barrier. Yes. Well, that, that too. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to say that, but you guys can. <laughs> cool. So, um, so and, uh, Mark says, "Good to hear that you're black flagging slow cars too." So I mean, that's I, I think a lot of this stuff is during the race. We see it all the time. I think that some racers see it because they're watching for that kind of stuff. And other racers are busy trying to run a race. They're not looking at the little things that happen all around them. Right. So to them, sometimes they don't think we're doing anything until they see it in writing on the logs or they see Dana down there screaming at you through your window, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's probably worth pointing out, and this is something I say often in the driver's meeting, especially in the, the new driver meeting, um, Champ Car is an organization that exists for the fun and enjoyment of its members. Nobody in our staff, nobody in our club is looking for a reason to ding you for something. You know, we don't have laser range finders on pit lane and whatnot. So nine times out of 10, if we bring you in for anything, it's to say, hey, listen, information for you, you're going too fast. You went over too much here. You're outside track limits there and get back out there and go racing again. Ultimately, we just want you to get through the race safely. And we're there to try and help you get through the race safely and have a good time. So we're not interested in, in levying big penalties unless that's the only way to communicate the message. It's also, I guess, important to, to keep an eye on the flagtronics during those code 35s because it's cer certainly less of a detriment to your race if you do get a black flag to answer it during the code 35 than to have to answer it after the code 35 because you're going to lose a lot more track, track position. Well, that does make sense, except it depends upon what we're bringing you in for. Sure. If you're speeding under the code 35, we're going to bring you in under the code 35. If it's something where you need to serve your penalty under green, I'm going to wait till we go back. No, to but green. what I'm saying is, if you're, I, if you're, I read that page of the book too. If you if you speed under the code 35 and you're black flagged for the code 35, but you forget to answer, you don't realize you need to answer the right. black flag, and you right. wait until you go back to green, you've done nothing but screw yourself. Right. Shame on you. I, I think that I watched Dana do it, and I watched uh, the other event directors do it, not just Chelsea, but we have some others that are working as well. Um, if they do bring them in under the Code 35, because, you know, sometimes they, it's a dangerous 
maybe not dangerous. That's the wrong word to use. They need to get warned. And when they warn them, it's, it's just a warning. Get back out there, go right. racing, but slow down. And, um, but most of the time we get a list. I mean, WGI, a Watkins Glen, Andy would have a list of six or seven cars and we just go through them one at a time. Once we went, went back to green. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it worked pretty well. Um, there's a couple of tracks with not as many cars where it took one or maybe one time and we didn't have any more black flags for speeding under code 35 after that. So we know they can do it. And it's funny because we do see a couple of consistent trends. The first is they get in there and Jimmy's explaining, you know, you're speeding under code 35 and they go, the what? And Jimmy goes, did you come to the driver's meeting? And they sheepishly say, uh. no. So, okay, first problem. Or they, they're they in the car, they're a rental driver, and Jimmy's pointing at the Flagtronics unit on the dash and going, did you see this thing? And they're like, yeah, I saw it, but I don't know what it is. What is that thing? Because nobody on the team, team captains, explained to this new rental driver what that unit was and what it was supposed to do. So if you're new to Champ Car, come to the new driver meeting. All drivers need to come to the driver's meetings before the event and... If it's been a while, even if you're a regular racer with us, it's been a while and you want to catch up on some of the things, feel free to come to the new driver meeting Friday afternoon anyway. It's not like you're not allowed, you know, you might pick up something you hadn't known before. So, And it's just not limited to drivers, crew, helpers, everybody. Is everybody it's needs to go there for everybody. It's not yeah. like I'm going to turn you away. No. Now, Danny, you had mentioned something when you were talking about the Code 35, how you go to it, how you, you know, how you process it, and then going back and you do a 10 count. That's not always the case because we've seen um, sometimes we'll go back quicker. Sometimes we'll wait, you know, <laughs> I want right. to sometimes. Well, especially going back to green. So when I first started doing this, <clears throat> I gave it like a 10 count, you know, because that was, that was the procedure we developed. And I started kind of hearing through the grapevine, yeah, okay, but as soon as that 35 comes in, we know it's about to happen. And I kind of I kind of knew it, and then I got a chance to drive the Sebring race. And I was like, oh, I see what they're talking about now. The minute that Code 35 comes back in, it is, it is on. It happened to me. I was like, what the? I started to gently roll the throttle back up to 70% race speed. I felt like I was, like, getting on the interstate with a broken car. I was like, oh, I see. But like I said earlier – Ultimately, I want to get you guys back to green. I don't want to hold you there any longer than I have to. So when we pulled the Code 35 flag in, I literally do look around the track. I look at the marks and the ants, and I make sure that, like I said, everybody's got the memo. As long as I see everybody starting to pick the speed up, and we will, depending upon the type of track and how much of it we can see, we might look and go, all right, Watkins Glen, for example, we looked up at the final two corners and I mean, there was just a wad of cars coming into the final corner right before you come onto the front stretch. And we just waited a couple seconds till those cars all cleared and they were on the stretch to give them the green flag. So we didn't wind up with a giant, you know, nine cars trying to pass nine other cars right in the middle of a corner. So we will modulate it a little bit to try and make it safe, but especially going, going back to green, I want to get you guys back to green as fast as possible. That's what you paid to come and do. So I say a 10 count, but really, once I know they've got the memo, then off you go. Although there was one at Watkins Glen where we went, we pulled the Code 35 in, and then another card Abel, who talks, Abel, who talks to the corner workers, got into the middle of a conversation with oh, the rescue yeah. worker guy, and it was like 15 <laughs> seconds, and I'm like, hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey. And finally, she's like, what? And I was like, can we go back to green? And she's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, so it was the poor pretty... guys were out there for like 15 seconds. I'm sure they were cussing me in the tower. 
It was longer. I swear it was longer it than was that. It was a while. I was like, like whoa. I was like, <laughs> I'm looking over like, oh, we forgot about the green. Let's go to the green. So, so ha- have you ever thought about going from code 35 to full course yellow for like 30 seconds and then go to green? Give everybody a chance to kind of get up to us, up to speed so you don't have that kind of, you know, accordion going into a corner? Well, it kind of depends because if I hold them too long, then everybody's 70% race speed is going to be different. Right. Okay. So sure, okay. if I hold them too yeah, long, the fast cars are going to jam up. There's always going to be one driver who's a little afraid to get going yeah. again. And I, I shouldn't say afraid. We, again, yeah, you got to look back at the background. We are a series that wants to be the place where people take their first step into sure. racing. So in theory, I could have a driver out there very first time he or She's never been on the racetrack before. And they see the 35 come in. They see the yellow. And they're going, okay, 70% race speed. They start rolling in the gas again. And the next thing you know, they got a train wreck behind them. Because I haven't gone green. So right. I try to modulate it to get everybody as free as possible, as quickly as possible. Now, we have had it at, at, at Hallett. We had it where we went back to yellow from the code 35 to yellow. And I swear, it was, it was like as soon as Chelsea about said green, we had another car breakdown. So we had to go back to code 35. And I think that may have happened yeah. twice. That that mess you and up. That catches people off. So but it's, again, like I said yeah. earlier, I need you guys out there who are, as you who are listening. Please, you know, as, as the joke says, you know, let the word go forth from this place. Please don't anticipate the flags. Right? If we go code thirty five, we we remove the code thirty five, and we still have the standing yellow. Start speeding up, but you're not racing yet until the green actually comes out. And again, the beauty of Flagtronics is it's active communication. In the old days, we'd withdraw the flags. And we're passively relying on the drivers to look ahead, see the corner station and go, oh, I don't see a flag. We must be green. But the beauty to me of the Flagtronics is we are now actively able to communicate with you. You see a green on your dashboard right there. And there's no question we're back to green and you're ready to race again. So I love the active communication part of that. Don't you guys have or, or maybe you don't do it anymore because of COVID, like the 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 rookie driver meeting is a, a video that people can just watch. So we have it. Um, honestly, we, we filmed it. Bill filmed it one time up at like three uh, years ago. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was before COVID. We just right. filmed it just because, and it was perfect because when the whole COVID thing came out, driver's meetings and whatnot, we were able to use it. Um, the problem is we need to film a new one because it was filmed before code 35. Right. It was filmed before electronics and everything. So it's, it's got some decent information, but it is a little dated in some of the stuff. So we need to film a new one. Um, but I do still like having the new driver meeting on Friday anyway, sure. because it allows the people to actually ask questions. And, you know, while I have kind of a standard format for the meeting, I really like it when the new people there ask questions and I'm able to actually give them targeted answers to the things they want instead of just randomly running through my usual diatribe and hoping some of it lands. And you can judge a room, too. You yes. know, if you have a room full of like 18 year olds that have never raced in their life before, you know what you kind of have to hit. Right. 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 It just might be good to have an, another option for folks who, you know, maybe want to look at it again or or maybe for us old people who don't think we're rookies who might need a well, refresher course. And those are the ones that I think we have to worry about the most, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> like you, Bill. Yes. Yeah. Get out of my way. <laughs> Trying to go faster in a slow car. Uh, anything else you want to catch us up on? I mean, I know it's only been a week or two. I know. I'm like the I'm like the guest of last resort here. That's all right. We've got 20 people watching. I'm surprised. Wow. 
All right. Well, I think you when know. you talked about code 35s and how to avoid a black flag, that got people interested. It's all in the <laughs> title, Bill. I think we need to put like clickbait titles, no matter what our guests clickbait. are. You started with the Pinto. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dana, what's um, we, we got a uh, now that we have you here, um, we have a couple things coming up. We have uh, Autobahn coming up, just Chelsea's race. We come back from that and we go straight to um, um, CMP. CMP. Sorry, somebody just posted something and they kind of threw my thoughts there. Um, yeah, CMP, and we're doing right, the board of, board of directors meeting at Sebring. Sorry, no, at uh, CMP. Yep. And then we go straight to Sebring after that. So it's going to be fun. And then MSR Houston. So and MSR all of Houston, that is on the bottom of our screen. That. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, after <laughs> yeah, MSR, there's a lot going on. We are entering one of the busy times of the year for us. I mean, we've got back-to-back races scattered all over the country so the staff is going to be on the move on the go and you know it what becomes kind of difficult or interesting or whatever you want to whatever adjective you want to put on it is i'm trying to live in the the right now with you know next week next couple of weeks for races you know pit assignments garage assignments making sure the infrastructure is there there's no changes for the track you know no you know, oops, wait, we, we moved the gate to the other side of the racetrack or anything like that. And yet at the same time, I was literally, Bill and I were chatting on the phone the other day as I was cutting and pasting and organizing the spreadsheet for the 2024 calendar. And I was on the phone today with tracks about 2024 dates. And, you know, it just baffles me sometimes. We're, we're literally not even halfway through this year and I'm already working on scheduling dates and calendar stuff for, for a year from now. So it, it becomes hard sometimes to to live in the the next days, the next weeks, and then also turn around and live in the next year and modulate between the two of those things. Well, you were doing the same thing at this time last year. Yeah, I know. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm living in Groundhog Day. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because you're already working on stuff for next year, right? Yeah, yeah. Got dates plugged in, and, you know, we're probably going to shuffle some things around. Um, I moved things a little bit around this year. Um, and, and I'd back in 2021, I'd said I was going to try and change the calendar around a little bit. And we did for 22 and moved a few things in 23 and going to move a few things around in 24. I haven't really decided where's and when's, but there's a couple of dates that I think are too close together or some events that may do better in different times of the year. So we're going to try and shake some things around. There's always a couple of things that you're you're trying to stay on top of, though. And obviously, the championship is one of those. You know, I like to move the championship every year so that nobody has a, a consistent advantage and, and everybody across the country has the opportunity to go to the championship race by moving it around, it, you know, makes it geographically relevant to everybody, but it needs to be early enough in the year so that it's relevant. You know, no, nobody right. wants to do their 2022 championship race in December of 2023, you know? So right. it's hard to go to road America in March. Exactly. You know, so I used to live there. That would that would not be fun. So April first, the South Boston National Championship in a circle. <laughs> is that what you're going to do? Uh, no. I opened this I meeting start... with my face in my palm, and now I feel like I'm going to close it. My face in my palm again. Oh my By God. the way, check the website. There's an ad posting there for a job yeah. in the media department. <laughs> no, hey, don't post that ad, Dana. Just okay. give me a call. Oh, okay. Oh, sweet. We talked. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so speaking of championships, we've got, I've just, uh, Polly got that updated. We've got the national championships uh, standings posted up on the webpage. Link is in this, if you're watching the video, link is at the top of the 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 post, the top chat, um, the live chat. Um, we've done a little, something a little differently this year, Dana, on that. In the past, we've just labeled them, you're, you're the, you know, first and then kind of alphabetically or however they fell. But now we're... Um, advancing you up the your what, what do they call that um seating. yeah your seating um by how many races you've done this year so the more races you do the higher up your seating goes which is how you start the first race right technically yeah we have kind of run back by the seating on that um and and honestly i think that's a good idea the way you've done it i mean it, it's important for the racers out there to know we've not changed how you qualify for the championship how right. you qualify for the championship is based into the rule book and that has not changed you, you still qualify for participation in the championship based on the rule book we've just changed the way that we're displaying who is in and who who is not in yet who's in the, the championship by recognizing those teams that race with us a lot. And we have some teams, man, that they turn and burn. They bring two cars and they come to, you know, six or seven races a year. Um, so we just want to recognize those, those teams that are, you know, high participation teams with us. And frankly, for those of you that may be thinking about the championship, again, it goes on how you've placed in races, right? And, and really the way champ cars, as competitive as we are, you kind of need to win a race or at the very least finish couple of you know a couple of top fives and the way to do that is go go visit an extra race or two especially some of the smaller less attended races you know um without giving anything away you could finish last at Watkins and get what you know be be 105 and 105 you could finish last at oh I don't know say MSR oh, Houston oh, and yeah, still MSR get, yeah still get a top 20 in your seating so yeah. you know Visit a couple extra races, and and I say that half jokingly, but I would love for all the teams to just just try out one new track this year. You know, I I mean I did it. You know, I I had the tracks that were close to me and the tracks I like to run at, and that's that's where we went and raced. And it can be a bit of a lift to go someplace new, someplace further away. Yeah. But the one thing I've experienced with the job is going to so many different racetracks, and they're all so different, they're all so unique. They've all got great characteristics to them. And, you know, you guys out there, if you could just find one new track, one new event with us and just come try someplace new, um, hopefully you love it. Hopefully you have a great time at it. And who knows, it might become another standard for you. And right now we got 901 Motorsports leading the national championship with their number 903 car and Lone Star Rallycross down in second place with NLS Racing out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They're right behind them. So, uh, and of course, Team Salins with their ketchup and mustard in fourth and fifth. And then Touchstone Racing and Running Bulls, Burris Racing, Bear Maximum, Visceral Racing has a couple cars there. And it just keeps going. And I think we've got a little over 100 cars that are around 100 cars that have raced the teams that have raced with us this year. Not teams, cars. Yeah, team cars. So it's, we're doing pretty well. So Cool. Anything else you want to share before we cut you loose? Oh man, I think my brain's about full or emptied. I mean, whichever one. So I'll, I'll I'll save a few other things for the next time you're you're in desperate need of a last minute guest. And well, next week we have Steve Silwicky on with us, and uh, that'll be fun. So uh, maybe you can join us and ask him why he rolls, how he rolls. <laughs>
Uh, just kidding, Steve. Just messing with you. Oh, he's not. He's not watching. No, no. He might be. Who knows? Everybody wants to be on the show. Everybody wants to watch it. Nobody. Yeah, really. (laughs) All right, Dana. Thank you. Have a good day. See you later, everyone. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. You guys have a great evening. Thanks, Uh, now. Appreciate it, Dana. Fade to black. Fade to black. Champ Car President Dana Morrison here with us. When we come back, we'll get cut up on a couple of other things. That's next on Inside Champ Car. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Polanski. That good-looking guy on the left, Bill Strong. Also the voice of Darth Vader earlier. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. That was fun, yep. We could only do that once in a while, though. Yeah, got to have fun with this. I think sometimes, just like with the Inside Champ Car show, we tend to get a little too serious sometimes, and, you know, it's just just go back to having fun with it, just like the racing yeah. It's all about fun, man. We We're not fun. out here making a million bucks doing it. Actually, I'm probably not making five bucks doing this. So, you know, <laughs> is what it is. Uh, hey, so um, you did I, uh, some, you did some fun I, this weekend. I got to do some some fun stuff. So, um, Ray Frank, our illustrious tech guy, he uh, kept keeps telling me go down to South Boston Raceway, little circle track there. And uh, so I went, and man, it was neat. It was some big. That's a lot bigger step than um, than some of the dirt tracks I've been to recently, and not to discount those dirt tracks, but it was a different level of racing and just a lot more top cars. Um, some tracks I go to, just like with Champ Car, you'll have five or six cars that could win the race. You know, some dirt tracks, there's one or two guys that can win win whatever heat or race. What's going on? This had like four or five that that could do it, and uh, it came down to the last two laps where maybe not even two laps. It was probably about the last six laps where five cars were battling it out at the end. And then two cars came through and this is a feature race. Two cars came through at the end, side by side, one crushed against the wall. The other one just crushed against him and they're fighting for position. And the guy against the wall wins a race gets through and kind of bashes the wall and, and goes around. And it was, it was wild. It was, it was some awesome racing. Got to see my first ever uh, paddock fight. Yep. which I thought was awesome, WWE, <laughs> perfect. And I've been waiting for that for a long time. If you didn't see the anticipation or the uh, the excitement in my post online. Um, yeah, you it was seemed very like happy. A, oh, yeah. It was like a WWE wrestling thing. It wasn't a fight fight, but it was it was fun just watching it develop. And and all came because some guy got into another guy, and I don't even think this guy was even part of the team that got involved. I, I don't know, but it was it was fun, man. It was it made it exciting. So so South Boston, for those who might not know, is uh, where a lot of the Virginia-based NASCAR stars the Burtons. come from. The Burtons yeah. run through South Boston. Je- um, uh, Jeff and and I, I, I will yeah I, I won't pick pick on Ward. Um, you know, whatever does it, Ward. I'll never forget. When Ward Burton won the uh, Daytona 500, um, the whole media room for the last 15 laps when he's leading the thing is going, oh, my God, no one's going to understand the thing. 
<laughs> and sure as heck, Ward came in happy as can be, and 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 had that South Boston, South Virginia drawl doing its thing. And, and I have friends that I worked with at, at UVA that knew him, that knew yeah. the family. And you'd always ask, why don't the brothers sound the same? And I think Ward said something, or no, the, the other brother, uh, Jeff. Jeff, said something about he lived in the other side of the house, <laughs> <laughs> the south side of the house or something. Um, but yeah, Denny Hamlin ran there. Um, and if you really want to go far back, um, you've got, uh, you know, the Wood brothers did a lot of stuff there. And yep. uh, Wendell Scott, that was a track that he raced before coming to Cup. And uh, so lots of history at South Boston. Really cool. And it's you know I know a lot of endurance guys a circle trip because I posted up a joke it's a joke folks <laughs> April first South Boston ten thousand lap race <laughs> and you know the excitement is really funny I, I want to say um, I want to say five years ago maybe yeah. six years ago I posted up an April Fool's post about you know Mike Chizik had just signed the contract for um, I forget what track it is it's either Martinsville or the other paperclip type track right and um that we just signed the contract it was going to be you know april you know it was going to be on such a date mike was really excited about us going there and the internet blew up the <laughs> amount of people that were going to build a champ car for this race could <laughs> get to race on their favorite you know circle track it was insane and then some people got it yeah but you know there were others sharing it and it would just it just it was probably one of the best marketing pieces i've ever done and it was fake yeah so that's awesome. So but, it, it's tough to do during the 24 because, you know, there's no break. Um, but when you do your other race at Virginia, at VIR, it's a good time to take Saturday night when you're all done, head over to South Boston if you have the time, right? They finish up a little earlier there. You know, the South, they tend to close up the sidewalks about 10 o'clock. So yeah. um, if they don't have any incidences, they I talked to the mark, hung out with the marketing director there for a yeah. bit, and he said, yeah, when, once the, um, they, they start, they've got two or three – or three or four different classes of racing, and it can go on to about 10, 10.30. They like to get out of there about 10. Um, Do they race on Friday nights, too, or just Saturday nights? I think Saturday nights, but I've only been once, so I don't really know. I think next weekend I'm going back to uh, my local dirt track up here at um, Winchester. No, yeah, no, it's um, Natural Bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Natural Bridge Raceway. They're having a $10,000 race up there, so I think that might bring some some big cars out. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's I, I like the circle track stuff. It's it's a break away from mm -hmm. the endurance. It it's quick. The folk, I tell you, the, there's there's not much difference between the champ, you know, the champ car folks, the WRL folks, and the some of the circle track guys. They're racers. They're out there having a good time. You're gonna have the guys with money. You got the guys without money. Um, it's it's fun, and you got the guys without money bitching about the guys with money. Um, <laughs> I remember I was. I was standing at the front, you know, the, I took the pictures at the end of the race um, as they crossed the start finish line, crushed up against the wall. And, and um, a guy's like, oh, he's got a cheater engine. He, he has to have a cheater engine. You know, and it's like, wait, which one has a cheater engine? Because <laughs> exactly. they both fit together. So it, it was quite funny. And it's the same stuff that we hear walking down our paddock, you know, sure. oh, he's cheating this and that. And that. So it, it's gotta, pretty fun. We got to get you to a, a wing sprint car race or. Oh my God. Yes. Well, I've been to one kind of one. Um, they were the, at the dirt track yeah. in, in my house and that was fun. Those things are wicked quick. Yeah. Those um, I wasn't prepared for them. So next time I go, I will be, but um, there's some uh, folks that said I needed to go to uh, the Kenny Schrader guy said I need to go to the one in St. Louis. Um, a big, big one out there somewhere. 
Okay. Um, I might go out there one of these weekends. Um, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. So. Oh well, I mean, you got a lot closer to you than that. You can go to Eldora. You can go to. Um, you can go to. Um, yeah, there's a lot of places uh, yeah. all all over Indiana. You don't got to go to all the way to St. Louis. I mean, St. Louis, it's not that far. No, it's like I know. Stage drive. Yeah. So um, I got to hang around tech, and again, tech is a little different than the way we run it. They have the templates, and they have people measuring things left and right. Everybody had to get tech, not just the certain few. Right. Um, that was interesting to watch. Um, nice sign outside, which I love, said, uh, if if your car's not in here, you don't belong in here, you know, for the initial tech inspections that they have to go through before the race itself. So that was that was kind of cool to watch. Um but yeah, it was. Uh, it's nice to see how other series and and sanctioning bodies do stuff, so that we can, you know, kind of double check and make sure we're doing our stuff right. You know, um, it's fun. So, you know, so Next, Formula One to see how they compare how they right. compare to us. So if you're in tech at, at that race, I can't show up and look at my competitors going through tech. You can from outside the door. You can't be in the in the garage. Really interesting. Oh, no. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, because I think, do they do that in the SEC as well? Do they keep people from out of the room? Oh, or? no, no. It's, Everybody's it's wide open. Anybody can look. Anybody can walk around the cars and impound. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a prime time to take a peek under the hood and see what your competitors are doing. Ah, because somebody told me, or some people told me online, I took a picture of the fight, and I was debating on if I could post it up or not. It wasn't really, like I said, it's not really a fight, more like a wrestling match. And wrestling. Um, I, I really don't know what the, you know, what the etiquette is for doing this here. And um, somebody said, well, you can post whatever you want there, as long as you do not post pictures of their intake manifolds or their carburetors or their <laughs> suspension settings. Anything you know, but everything. Oh, yeah. That, that, will get you, <laughs> that will get you in a fight as a photographer, so... And of course, these guys are egging me on because everybody wants to see Bill Strong get hit. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Yeah. You want to know something really? And I wasn't going to say nothing about this, but I made a mistake. <clears throat> you know, at, at tracks, you have things laying around. And at dirt tracks, they put these tires, they put chains through them or wires through them, and they drag them around mm -hmm. the track. Well, I'm sitting there taking pictures of, you know, the cars coming out of turn three into four. I'm standing on turn four. And at the, my feet are these tires. Uh-oh. A spin-out happens. Guy stalls it. Tow truck comes and stops right in front of me. And I'm just like, I'm trying to get a certain type of shot. Just, you know, blurry, artsy shot, you know. So I go to scoot over, and I scoot over, and I kind of back into those tires, and I fall. Slow motion. In my head, it's slow motion. I don't know in real life. Slow motion. I hope I never see a video of it. Uh, have to I fell back. I've got can't. I've got a 500 millimeter lens on me. I've got a couple of other lenses. I've got all kinds of stuff, and I'm falling. And all I could think about was, you know, don't kill yourself. Just roll with it. See, oh, in I my head, I'm like, should I just roll with it or should I try to? Stop? And I thought, no, just roll. And I think my legs were straight up in the air at one point, trying to balance. I landed on the tires. Okay. And. I look goofy as hell and I get up and there's people walking all around me. Nobody looks at me. <laughs> Nobody thinks is, is, is that guy. All right. So I'm like, okay, I'm all right. Nothing's broke. Walk over. I, I, I there's a place I can sit down. I sit down. I'm going through the camera, make sure everything's right. And an old guy comes over to me with a NASCAR shirt and says, are you all right? I'm like, Oh God, the tower didn't see me. Did they? Oh no, no, no. I saw you fall. I said, you didn't call it into the tower. Did you? Oh no, no. Cause that's like the worst 
ever when they call it into the tower because then they start getting on loudspeakers hey that photographer over there no and yeah that was a little embarrassing and there was probably a thousand people along turn three and four or sorry between three and four um that could have saw me but hopefully they didn't but it was fun other than that and the next day i was in total pain because you know see i'm beginning to question your photographer cred because if i'm falling with all of that stuff. I'm not worried about me getting hurt. I'm trying to save the gear. Oh, I was. That, that's why I said, should I roll with this? Because if I try to like get out of this, I'm going to hurt something. And I basically pulled all the camera equipment up like this. And and that's why the feet went up in the air to counterbalance everything. So, okay. Okay. yeah, because I'm pretty top heavy, you know. And that just added to the top heaviness. Oh, yeah, because you're all weighted down. You're carrying everything from your neck down yeah, to your waist. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I've been there before. I, uh, I once got uh, trampled uh, at the on the sidelines of a football game. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Tri- you're not tall, but you're a big guy. But, but they got they, they went low. Oh. They went low. <laughs> and feet up in the air, monopod up in the air. Um, yeah, it was not uh, it was not pretty. Yeah, because you know and, the guys in the tower doing the play by play are like, oh. Yeah, and and the and one lonely cheerleader came to help me up when you're being helped up by the cheerleader that that's when you feel really bad but anyway we digress <laughs> yeah that's it's yeah there's some of the crazy stuff that's happened at the track there's a lot of stories we have sure media wise you know you know that uh <laughs> that we we talked about over time there's something we'll wrong. never talk about <laughs> i've never made a single mistake i've never stumbled yeah, hot oh. mic on and just cussing up like crazy. That was yeah. that was a fun one. Oh, here's Doc. Bill, Bill, you're live. Bill, Bill, you're live. Someday yeah. when we have more time, I'll tell you my flagger fall story. <laughs> Caught live on Speed Vision. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. And, All right. and so, Dorsey yeah. Schrader so, loved talking about it. We um, let's get back to Champ Car. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's my fault. I I, I digress in the circle track. So uh, we are getting ready to go to uh, Autobahn. Yep. Um, we uh, made, or Chelsea and I made some updates to it last week, late last week. So uh, make sure you go look at those. Um, I did add, uh, what was it I added? Oh, yeah, I took away um, the gear check on the SUPS because for some reason that is a, we don't do that anymore. So uh, I took that off the SUPS and also added the, um drivers meetings and stuff like that for the race oh i did not add a driver's meeting to the saturday's race so listen up there'll be a driver's meeting before the race it's usually about an hour or so so probably about um about 7 30 8 o'clock um chelsea will start a meeting so she'll show more on that i'll talk to her about that tomorrow and update the subs i just noticed that oh gee whiz uh um and in Carolina Motorsports Park, like we were talking about with Dana, yep. um, it's June 24th and 25th. Uh, we have our uh, national or our big um, national membership meeting that will be held there. It'll be all online. Okay. And uh, we have majority of the board will be there. I think a couple may not, or at least one may not, um, but they will be remote. And uh, I'll be hosting that locally, and we'll be putting up more information on that probably next week. Okay. Uh, yeah. Once once we start getting uh, we, we're getting the presentation done now, the board's doing that. 
Uh, and then once I get that, then I get to plan the, the show itself. And of course you can't plan a show until you know how long it's going to be, right? Yeah. How it's going to break down. So um, once I get that, so we have 33 cars for that race. We have, um, I think, yep, 31 cars for uh, Autobahn. And then we head to Sebring International Raceway, 14 hours. We're bringing that back. We are up to 54 cars. And historically, we've got a bunch of uh, racers a week or so out. So hopefully we'll get more. We can fit up to over 100. We've had 110 there. And then off to MSR Houston. And we've got 15 cars for that race. And that's going to be fun. Oh, it won't be, uh, I won't be there as a champ car employee. I'll be there as my own private company taking pictures. So you might see me there. But other than that, I'm taking pictures and more on that later. Then High Plains Raceway, August 5th and 6th. That's in Colorado. And I saw that we had some folks signing up today. We're up to almost 19 or 20. Wow. So uh, that's, awesome. that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, cool. And guess what? I'm flying out to that race because I have to get back quickly for the VIR 24. But uh, we'll, uh, as far as I know, we'll be broadcasting the Mile High Mayhem. I got an electric car rental. <gasps> You're gonna be never, okay. I never rented a Tesla in my life. So I wanted to try one. And what better place to try it than where there's no electrical plugins anywhere? <laughs> I'm sure they have electricity. Hotel. No, we got we got our hotel, and Chelsea mailed me the the info for the hotel. She goes, "They have a charger." <laughs> so, <I'm> like, oh. nice. <laughs> so yeah. So all right, guys. Um, that's it for me. Um, you got anything, Brian? No, all good. All good. Hope everybody likes the upgrades on the on the on the podcast, the live show here. Yep. And uh, get a little bit better every week. And um, uh, I got some more doodads that are going to come down the road. So uh, thank you all. I love all the all the chat I see. I can't. I, the 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 monitor with the chat's about twenty feet away, so I can't read any of it. But I can see the chat going scrolling through. So thank you all. I, I the one I can see Timothy Elliott's in there, and I, and I don't know who else. <laughs> is always there. <laughs> so anyway, um, all good here. We'll do it again next week, right? Yes, sir. All right. That's Steve Wiki with us next week. There you go. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside Champ Car. If you like what you hear or what you saw, subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you share it on your social media channels. Comment on the face uh, the Champ Car Facebook page. We have new episodes every week. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Belansky. This is Champ Car Live and the Racing Wire Podcast Network.